Good morning. Court Radio is now in session. Call 215-227-2727. When you've got legal questions, we've got the answers. This is Court Radio. And now here's your host, Dean Weitzman. Good morning and welcome back. I'm Dean Weitzman. This is Court Radio. The one place you come every Saturday morning for your legal education and a little legal entertainment. Yes, we're here. We're live. We're taking your calls. Simply uh, dial up 215-227-2727. The number for all things legal. Explosions. Um, well, we're a little uh, short-staffed here. Manny Manuel is uh, on his way in, um, but I do have my dedicated staff. Eric, tickle the keys, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> you got to laugh at that. <laughs> I mean, you're talking tickling. <laughs> Sarah O. Oh, that's it. It's Sarah O. That's it. <laughs> Producer extraordinaire. Good morning. Hey, uh, I'm I'm sort of getting a little feedback. All right, um, you know I am uh, one of the luckiest guys in the world. Mm. Um, I get to celebrate three New Years. We have our Jewish New Year's on uh, in September, October, depending on when the Jews want to celebrate that year, Rosh Hashanah. And then we have the American New Year's on January the 1st. And then, finally, we end with the Chinese New Year's, which is my house is now all Chinesed out, um, and my wife is busy cooking a banquet at home. What uh, is it? Uh, the year of uh, it's the year, year of the rabbit. The rabbit. Nice. Bunnies. Yeah. So I I get to make New Year's resolutions three times. I mean, I can. I've got more New Year's resolutions than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> this is uh this is my third New Year's this year, and uh, I'm going to get in shape and lose weight. You uh, gotta jump right in it. Yeah. Like uh, a rabbit. Uh, <laughs> ah. Wow, ah. Yeah. Nice little segue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, I was laying on the couch for three years because of COVID. So uh, I'm back to working out now three times a week. And um, and uh, I... He's going to be good. Dean Weitzman. We are going to pump him up. <laughs> I, I'm, wow. I'm hitting the beach. You pulled that from the 1900s. <laughs> I'm hitting the beach in, uh, in February in Nassau. So I'm going to get my six pack going. Nice. Maybe two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that sequel to Baywatch is about to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there will be no speedos. There will be no speedos. <laughs> if you have a legal issue that you've been pondering, folks, I I say it every every week, but we kind of get away from ourselves. The the calls keep flying in, and so. Uh, ultimately, people are left on hold. If you want to ask a legal question, if you've been dying to ask a question, now's the time to do it. 215-227-2727. There's a new area of litigation that 
my firm has jumped off on this week. Here we go. Yes, it is um, hair relaxer litigation. Mm. If you used hair relaxer for more than five years mm. and you suffer or have suffered with endometrial cancer, um, uterine cancer, fibroids with a hysterectomy or a myomectomy, it's when they cut the fibroids out, um, and you're diagnosed between the ages of 18 and 70, uh, and for non-cancer cases, you know, just the fibroid cases, between the years, ages of 18 and 60, you are eligible to be represented by my firm against the manufacturers of the hair relaxer because they knew or should have known that the, the chemicals in their product cause cancer through little micro abrasions in the scalp or if you've ever burned your scalp using the products, um, that those chemicals can get into your blood and they can double, double the risk of getting these cancers I mentioned or and oftentimes starting out as fibroids. Now, Sarah. Yes. You are a black woman. Yes. At least for today. Surprisingly. <laughs> Don't let my voice fool you. And your hair is always poker straight. Um, I never give it much thought. Does it were you born that way? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Um, I am part of the relaxer community since I was a little girl and I only recently stopped when COVID happened and we couldn't leave out to go get our hair done. Uh-huh. Um, so what you see right now is the back in the day hot comb flat iron. Okay. But no, I came up using relaxers, never missed my hair relaxer appointment. And in my 20s, I was diagnosed with uterine fibroids. But at that time, no one told me, like, there was not information like there is now. Um, it was like, oh, you have non-cancerous tumors. You'll have to get them taken out before you have babies. Have a nice day. But in your 20s, you're not thinking about that stuff. And did you actually have them cut out? I actually did in my third. When I was 35, I had 24 fibroids. Oh, my Lord. By a myomectomy. I was the equivalent of three months pregnant, my doctor said. So everybody always thought I was pregnant because my wow. stomach was just that, in, my uterus was that enlarged. Yeah, I made the mistake of asking uh, a woman once, you know, uh, when the baby was due and there was no baby due. Yeah, after that experience, I've never asked a woman. I don't care unless the baby drops right there in front of me. <laughs> I'm never asking when I found out just how large these fibroids can be and how many women have them yeah yeah and and this is this is particularly acute in the african-american community because yes. you're using the hair relaxers uh i mean some women use it since they were children as you said yes um i know when the, all the doctor told me was this was something that was prevalent in black and latino women that was it yeah. he had nothing else because i asked i was like well what can i stop doing is there something He's like, I, I don't know. Um, and then at that time, well, actually, because what was that, like 2010? Even prior to 2010, they loved to do hysterectomies. I had to beg and beg 
for them not to do a hysterectomy because I still wanted to have children. I thought I could. And you may not be able to have children because of the fibroids. Correct. So the damage is just really blossom from this. It's really amazing. You're going to be my first client. Will you sign up? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, how do you get companies in America to behave in a more just and civil way? You sue them. Because otherwise, there's no incentive to change their behaviors. If you had known, Sarah, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to puff this, but I'm serious. If you had known um, when you were a young girl that this could impact your ability to have a baby, that this will bring on a lifetime of health problems, would you have done it? Oh, I know for a fact it wouldn't have been done because when I was younger, of course, it was my mother and grandmother doing my hair. I know for a fact they never would have done this. And even as I got older, had a doctor told me even in my 20s, this is caused by this, I would have stopped. So imagine you get the surgery, the recovery is long and hard, and then you keep putting relaxers in your hair. That's what I did because I didn't know. Right. I never would have. And then so because of that, my fibroids are back. It's unbelievable. Folks, if you or a family member um, suffer with uterine cancer, endometrial cancer, uh, fibroids that were surgically removed, fibroids that were surgically removed, which required a hysterectomy, you have a very good chance of being compensated substantially for the harm caused to you by the companies who manufactured these chemicals. Um, and the only way to make the world a little bit safer for the next generation and the generation after that is to make them accountable now. Call us, 215-227-2727. If you know anyone that you think might fit this bill, what we will do is get you signed up. There's no risk at all. We will gather the medical records. We will take a complete history. Um, and uh, the worst case scenario is it goes nowhere. Um, but if it sounds like what I'm describing applies to you, then there's a very good chance you will have a substantial day in court. This is not a class action lawsuit. These are not class action lawsuits that we handle and represent people um, against manufacturers and companies. Class action lawsuit, you know, everybody has the same damages. You, you all were overcharged for your phone service and you each get, you know, $27 in a coupon for uh, the next month's uh, phone bill. This, what I'm talking about, Hey, listen, in the, when we were handling vaginal mesh against Johnson & Johnson, it culminated in an $80 million verdict for a single woman whose body was decimated by that product. So these are claims that we will examine your particular damages, gather your medical records, and make a case for you as an individual. We may share information amongst the class of people who are suing for the same product, but your day in court will be for you and you alone. 215-227-2727, the only number you need, uh, and especially as it applies to these hair relaxer litigation that is in its infancy. Get in now before the gates close, because at, you know, if, if God forbid a family member has passed away 
from uterine cancer or endometrial cancer, their death has to have um, occurred after July 1 of 21. And, and anybody who died before then is statute-bound not to be able to recover, cannot recover. So time is of the essence. 215-227-2727. And women listening, do not be fooled by the thought that we were all told that heavy cycles are normal. They're actually not, and it's actually an indication that you probably have fibroids. Because as women, we were just always told, like, hey, well, that just happens every month, and you just have to deal with it. Um, that's how you become anemic, and that causes a series of other issues. So do not just think it's normal. Go get checked. Tell your doctor. And and I, I wonder, you know, and I want to get the word out because I want women to stop using the product because of the consequences, the serious consequences that can befall them if they continue to choose to, can, you know, get their hair straightened in that chemical fashion. A lot of women are making that change. There are a lot of hair salons now that will not do relaxers. They're, they're natural hair salons. There is a movement towards that, but there is still a very large percentage of women who just don't know, and they're still getting it done. I, I grew up in a beauty shop. My parents were beauticians, and my father would um, apply color to uh, women's hair. And his hands were so cracked and destroyed by that because he, he was allergic to those chemicals. Wow. And so I, I've seen it firsthand. Um, uh, they're, the, these are serious chemicals. They're not to be played with. And, and you know, you think you're just sticking them on your hair. It, it doesn't do anything. But it actually gets absorbed into your body, and it can change your DNA. It can actually change your DNA, causing this cancer. 215-227-2727. We have our regular guest in the studio who's been very quiet, sitting there listening to hair relaxers. Have you ever used a hair relaxer, Saul? I, I have not used a hair relaxer. However, when you were young, there was, um, th there was a, I remember, because I grew up in a beauty shop, there was a time when guys would get perms. Did you ever get a perm? No, I think the only thing we did periodically was to go to the neighborhood barber, and for 25 cents, you probably had your hair clipped, and that was it. Okay. All right. Well, there was there was a period when guys were perming their hairs, and then, then of course, for the African-American community, there was the Jerry Curl, uh, you know, moments. Um, but you're so <laughs> you, know, the, uh, you know, since part of our discussion this morning, of course, will involve wills in the states, it, you, you planted a seed out there because if somebody has had that exposure, if somebody has had that exposure and if, God forbid, it impacts on their health, they have not left anything in writing, wills, living wills, et cetera, et cetera, they're even at a greater risk. Yes. Um, if you pass away from something like endometrial cancer or uterine cancer caused by a hair relaxer product, your estate has a claim against the manufacturer. You want to make sure that you have your representatives in place, that your beneficiaries are delineated 
so that when those funds come, and sometimes they do come in the name of the estate, that the people that you want to bestow the money to are the ones who are actually going to get it. That's true. Because otherwise, you're left with the intestacy statute, which determines for you who will get your property, and that's not always who it is you want to have your property. Uh, Let's take some calls. So let's talk to uh, Sharon. Sharonda? Sharonda. Sharonda. Willingboro, New Jersey. Willingboro, where my old mommy Lil Daniels comes from. Sharonda, welcome to Court Radio. Hi, how are you guys? We're doing well, thanks. What's happening in Willingboro this week? Uh, Nothing much. It's been quiet. That's good. We like it quiet. (laughs) What's happening with you, Sharonda? What are you calling for? So uh, I started getting perms in my hair at the age of 17. Uh, By the time I was 25, I had a case of fibroids. Uh, After I had my first surgery, four years later, the fibroids reappeared. So I had surgery again. And during that surgery, the doctor accidentally cut something that he wasn't supposed to cut. So I spent about three weeks in the hospital. And then afterwards, I was advised by my uh, doctor that I should have a partial hysterectomy. Now, at this time, I was about 37 years old, and I only had one child. And I was considering having another one. But um, I'm very interested to, to learn more about the product uh, the, the perm and how it affected my fibroids because um, I thought it was odd that I I kept having repeated fibroids and repeated fibroids and ultimately a full hysterectomy. Yeah, I, I'm interested as well, Sharonda. And what I'm going to tell you is what every woman who's listening should do. Send me an email to dean at myphillylawyer.com. Um, I will have my team get in touch with you immediately. We'll begin the process of gathering your medical records, getting you signed up, and investigating whether the products you use are responsible for your health issues that you've had throughout your life. Okay. Simple as that. Dean, D-E-A-N, at myphillylawyer.com. And I promise you somebody will reach out to you uh, very shortly and uh, we'll get you signed up, we'll gather your medical records, we'll give you an opportunity to, ha- to really to discover whether what you've used all these years, unbeknownst to you, has caused your physical injuries. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Sharonda, be well. I look forward to your email. All right, thank you so much. Goodbye, guys. Bye-bye. 215-227-2727. Let's talk to Miranda in she, Philly, line two, Eric. She had the procedure. Oh, Miranda. Miranda. Oh, uh, the 
dreaded BPP. She really sounded distraught because she'd had the procedure, and she thinks now, after hearing this, she says she believes this is what caused it. Well, she's probably sending me an email now. Hopefully. So, you know, that's that's the way to do it, folks. Dean at MyPhillyLawyer.com um, so that we can begin a dialogue. I can get uh, my team involved and uh, leave us your, your uh, and a good telephone number to get back in touch with you. Um, and somebody will reach back out to you probably before the weekend's over. Um, so, Sully, you're back here again. Um, you've been busy in the battles of wills and estates. Uh, what What's happening in you know in your world in 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 this area? Well, it's uh, it's never ending in this in this area. It's never ending because people now. Especially with the with the exposure to everybody with COVID, uh, the fact that we probably have the misfortune of knowing somebody that's been really sick or maybe somebody that has passed away, people begin to look inward and recognize that we're mortal, and we need to put our thoughts in writing. There's been a number of callers this past week who have presented uh, concerns to me about family members. Unfortunately, those family members did not leave wills, and it opens the door for other family members to possibly participate in an inheritance that the deceased family member would never contemplate. So... Uh, in one conversation that we had uh, with one of our callers, I drew an analogy between the will and a roadmap, which made it a lot easier for them to understand. Uh, the will document in writing is a roadmap, and it basically tells those when you have passed where you're going with your assets, who you basically want to benefit from your hard work during your lifetime and uh, that roadmap, that will document that of course includes the names of executors uh, (coughs) basically will protect those individuals that are specifically identified in the will document. How hard is it to prepare a will uh, for you? I mean, we've been doing it for years. We really have it down to a science uh, in fact, somebody called us this week to say that I'm going away to uh, I'm going away to Cancun with my husband, and we don't have a will. And we decided we would really need the will executed before we leave. They called us on a Monday, and they were in the office Wednesday afternoon at two o'clock to sign the document. We had it witnessed by our paralegals and notarized by our notary. And they walked out of here at about three o'clock from our office with documents and smiles on their faces because they felt better that those documents were in place and they could leave on their vacation. What, what's the cost to uh, the average we, we're very, we are very, re- I, and my Philly lawyer, I mean, for a simple will, we only charge $300. I mean, you can't afford not to have the document, despite the fact that it's under market in the city. We feel strongly that uh, everybody should have this document. And if it's more affordable because we charge a little bit less, we're happier that you have the document. 
215-227-2727. We got callers, Saul. Let's take uh, Robin, line one. Child support arrears. Yes, Robin. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm sorry to take you a little off topic, but it's something I've wanted to know for the longest. Is there a statute of limitations or uh, when you can no longer receive uh, back child support? No. Um, in Pennsylvania, there is no statute of limitations for child support. Collections can occur decades after the support was due. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, you have to have an, a support order in place. And, yes, and have a support order in place. Okay. And From so... What? Any, 30 years ago. Right. Any, any, any monies owed for support prior to the support order is not collectible. But once the support order is in place uh, and the arrears accrue, um, you can go after tax returns, you can go after lottery winnings, you can go after just about anything. Can you go after their estate? You can go after their estate. Yeah. It's hmm. a it's it's a it, it doesn't ever it's like uh student loans. Oh. It never goes away. We uh, we just settled a case uh maybe a month ago in the office and our client had two outstanding child support orders many years back and we spoke with the prosecutor's offices for each one of those support orders one was philadelphia and one was another jurisdiction and those support orders had to be paid out of the settlement proceeds yeah that often comes up when we're representing uh, clients on a personal injury matter uh, and their social security number is uh, placed into the system um, with the modern age of commuter computers, um, the child support offices around the country can tap into that information. And if there is a child support order out there and there's an arrears, uh, we typically will get a letter from the child support office saying not to disperse to the client until they've been paid. And so um, the, the quick answer is, Robin, you're still always able to collect a child support order as long as you can find assets for the responsible party. Okay. Other than that, is there anything that I need to do? I mean, my child support orders are 30 years old. So do I need yeah. to go and remind them <laughs> that they're still there? Well, or just... you know, if, 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 the, if the gentleman who's responsible to pay those were to have a personal injury lawsuit or a, a, a tax refund, um, you should be in line to get paid. Um, uh, you want to check with them to make sure the order is, uh, you know, still on the docket. Um, but it, like I said, it doesn't go away. Uh, but helping to find assets is always a good thing. Robin, have a great Saturday. Thanks for calling Court Radio and being a Court Radio listener. Thank you. So is that, she said 30 years ago, is that 30 years of back child support? Child's an adult by now. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's the other thing is that when, when a child becomes emancipated, turns 18, um, the child support order can be ended. 
but you must take an affirmative step to end it. Really? Yes. And if you do not take that affirmative step to close the child support obligation, it just continues. It just continues. And rolls over? Yes. Get out of here. Yes. That's only in Pennsylvania. Well, I'm sure it's a number of states. Yeah, I mean, every state's different, but we're talking about yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah, New Jersey is, New Jersey for a while was very, very different. It, you know, you were only emancipated at 18, assuming that the child never went to college. Right. But if they did, then the obligation continued until they finished their schooling. That's right. Now, that has changed. That has, that yeah. has now changed. It's changed. To and 21. So, uh, in Pennsylvania and in New Jersey, uh, you don't have an obligation to support your child in college. Well, in, in New Jersey, it's up to 21 now. They 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 capped it to 21. Sounds well, like a, that sounds like a man who speaks from experience. <laughs> boy, I went through it. I went through it, my man. But I love my son, man. He's uh, going to be a doctor. So. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was true. worth it. It was definitely <laughs> worth it. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we'll cross that bridge another night. Um, I think we're going to take a quick two-minute break for our sponsors. Folks, I got Saul Langsam in the studio. We're talking about wills and estates. If you've got questions you want to uh, jump in on or whatever, give us a call, 215-227-2727. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call my Philly lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly lawyer, when winning matters most. When we say winning matters most, we mean it. My Philly Lawyer just helped secure an $80 million victory for a client suffering from a defective medical product. Whether it's a motor vehicle, workplace, or medical malpractice injury, My Philly Lawyer gets results. If you've been injured and want aggressive, thoughtful, thorough representation, call My Philly Lawyer first. Philly's legal champions, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. Legal Answers. Here's more Court Radio with your host, Dean Weitzman.
Okay, welcome back. I'm Dean Weitzman, your host of Court Radio every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. where we tackle the tough legal issues of the day. I'm joined in the studio with my friend Saul L. Langsom. Good morning to all our listeners. Better call Saul. Saul is the firm's geriatric specialist. Really? Is <laughs> <laughs> that a surprise? <laughs> Jerry, geriatric specialist. Yeah, man. You, you know, you keep, you, you take a lick and then you keep on ticking. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him, Sometimes silence speaks louder than words. <laughs> That's true. Speaking of Jerry, did we mention? Oh, Jerry Blavitt passed away. Yeah, heater, heater with yeah. the heater. Gerald Joseph Blavitt from South Philadelphia. Yep, yep. He was an icon man, in the city of ooh, Philadelphia. Man, was he an icon. Look. Woof. Yeah. A lot he, of folks weep. DJ, right? He spun records. Died on National DJ Day. Yeah. No way. Yes, yesterday. Yep. Wow. Is that amazing? I didn't know they had a holiday for you. They sure did. Oh, yeah. my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and and his, yeah. his funeral is this afternoon. In is the, it that in, the, in, the mm-hmm. cathed- in our cathedral in Center City at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's the whole right. public, the public's invited. But he was Italian and Jewish, is my understanding. He's being buried as a Catholic. Is that right? Yep. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I 82 years young, still riding that bike he was. Wow. Well, listen, Saul was still you know, playing ball with the uh, ballers uh, when he was in his uh, <laughs> 50s. That's why his uh, pinky finger goes uh, yeah, north I heard, and yeah, south. Yeah, I heard that story, yeah. 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 Hey, it's, a, it's a love affair with basketball. It's a wonderful thing. Great yeah. sport. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take some calls. Let's talk to Tasha for Saul on line three. Oh, Tasha. Mm-hmm. Oh. Call back, Tasha. Oh, yeah, she was calling about a house that was uh, left to her, and it's still hers now, 33 years later, probably not in her name. Let's talk about that for a moment. Very common. What happens when, you know, you've got a generational house that's passed down from mother to daughter to granddaughter, um, and nobody ever does diddly squat <laughs> about actually making it legal that is a reoccurring conversation a week does not go by when somebody will call me and say i'm living in my grandmother's house how do i put it in my name and that requires me to gather information pertaining to the grandmother's generation the children that followed the grandparents working your way down to the grandchildren of the grandparents in order to determine who the players are. And invariably, no paperwork gets done. You have a grandmother dying 20, 25, 30 years ago, and they would like to know how to become owners of this house. And it's doable. Don't get me wrong. It's all doable. But you basically have to sort out who are in line to inherit under our statute and get them to participate. Uh, We have that situation right now, right now with a client of ours. We finally got the estate opened and we are in the process of preparing a new deed. The deed is going to have as signers every family member 
during each generation that has acquired a partial ownership interest in this property. So there are going to be seven, seven grand tours on this deed that will be signing off in order for the grantee, our client, to acquire 100% ownership of that house. Wow. That doesn't sound cheap. No, it's a lot of work. Yeah. and It is a lot of work. You know how you save yourself all that work and aggravation? How's that? You leave a will. You leave a will. A will. A $300 will, um, or you can spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to make right what they intended to do all along. We understand that the oldest of generations that are still with us had a tendency to be very secretive. I talk to clients of ours who are in their 60s and 70s and they tell us that they didn't even know what banks their mothers and fathers had savings accounts or checking accounts. Well, actually, let me segue. Line one, Rebecca from Delaware has a question for you. Okay. Oh, Rebecca. Good morning. Good morning, Rebecca. Saul's here to hear your question. What is it? Wondering how you go about finding actually that information when you're not aware of the different, you know, the accounts, the pension, that mindset is completely gone today. Uh, the older generation had this notion that if they signed a will today, the reaper was knocking on their door tomorrow. And we know how silly that is because the underlying reason, this is what I emphasize to all of our callers, the underlying reason for why we all need will documents is control. It's control. It has nothing to do with age, has nothing to do with wealth. It has the it has everything to do with you making sure that you're controlling that your property goes to those family members that you intend to inherit from your estate. But if somebody um, uh, maybe has an insurance policy, how do you figure out? I mean, obviously, if it's close to the time of death, you go through all of the papers and paperwork that you know, that the people have left behind looking for those clues. But there's no, like, clearing house that you can call one number and say, hey, does this person have an insurance policy with any company in America? Well, hmm. now here's, here's a situation right on point that we're dealing with right now. So a woman comes to me and says, my mother is the niece to an uncle that died in the state of Maryland who left in the state and she is going to be one of the beneficiaries. I end up speaking to the attorney for the uncle's estate in Maryland who told me, this woman told me, that it took years hiring search companies to find the heirs under the Maryland intestate statute. And those heirs consisted of 13 nieces and nephews scattered across the country. 
And what justified all of this work was that the uncle died with an $800,000 estate. And the attorney was telling me she spent tens of thousands of dollars on search firms Mm. to find nieces and nephews in Philadelphia, find them in Florida, Texas, wherever they might be. Because once she undertook the representation of that firm, she had an obligation. So to the extent that the search people were successful in finding nieces and nephews, our client here in Philadelphia came to us to open her mother's estate because the mother was one of the nieces that's going to participate in that $800,000 estate. You know, I, um, you hear of insurance policies or bank accounts that go uncollected for a period of time. You know, you can search databases. Oh, absolutely. In fact, most states, including Pennsylvania, they do a very good job of in- encouraging people to do that research mm. and one of my pet stories was a couple of a couple that sat at the dinner table having dinner and the wife happened to glance at the television and they were running a commercial for Pennsylvania's unclaimed treasury money and the commercial just happened to have names of of people in alphabetical order just passing through quickly and the wife looks at the set and turns to her husband and said didn't you have an uncle by the name of so-and-so and and he said we did (laughs) to make a long story short they contacted me contacted the firm there was sixty five thousand dollars in the pennsylvania unclaimed treasury that we recovered that went to this this nephew good for you crazy 215-227-2727 rebecca thanks for calling court radio and if you have further questions you can reach saul when we're not on the air at that same number, 215-227-2727, or you can email him uh, to S. Langsam, S-L-A-N-G-S-A-M, at myphillylawyer.com. Thanks, Rebecca. Better call Saul. Let's talk to Crystal on line four. Oh, Crystal. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Good morning, Crystal. What's happening, dear? Okay, on your topic of the hair relaxer, I'm 72 years young. I had fibroids removed at age 34, 1984, I believe, 1994. But anyway, in that process, my gynecologist says that I have fibroids because my menstrual cycle lasts for uh, a week and a half to two weeks. I was 34 at the time. Did I just say that? But anyway, I had the um, the surgery. The gynecologist went in. Also, they were so large that I had a problem relieving myself of my bowels. So I had a gynecologist that went in first, removed the fibroids, gave me a partial hysterectomy, which I agreed to. Well, I agreed to a full hysterectomy because he said, um, when I go in, you are a candidate for a partial hysterectomy. And if you get a partial, nine times out of 10, you'll come back for ovarian cancer. So I agreed to the full hysterectomy. The bowel man goes in the same day and take 12 inches of my colon, which 
this fibroid was so large that it was pressing against my bowel. So I have been taking, well, using hair relaxers since I was like 17 yeah. years old. Yeah, you, 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 need to, you need to send me an email to dean at my Philly lawyer or give us a call once the show is over at 215-227-2727. Um, we'll get you, like I said, we'll get you signed up. Um, we'll begin the investigation. We'll gather these old medical records. Um, and if we, you know, each of these cases will require experts, physicians who will tie your condition to the product that you used. Once we have that expert um, connection between the two, then we're off and running representing you against the manufacturers to get compensated for your loss. But all of that work that we do to prepare for that uh, is no cost to our clients unless and until the day comes when we make a settlement or get a jury's verdict in your favor. Um, but until that time, there's absolutely no obligation on our client to spend one penny. So for, for God's sakes, give us a call uh, when the show's over at 215-227-2727 or email me at dean at my Philly lawyer and somebody from my team will get back to you. Okay, thank you. And also I have one more, I have a question for Saul. Sure. I'm, um, you know, when you, uh, about the, uh, the will, and when he said, you know, you have that that reaper, the grand reaper, I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting up in age now, and I'm, I need to get my will done. But my question is, is a trust better than a will? Well, that's a fair question. Um, and- that's a fair question. And nine out of, I would say nine out of ten people really have no clue what a trust is. And after I explain what a trust is, they say, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. Uh, the purpose for a trust is to give up ownership of property immediately, immediately. Whether you take your house, you put it into a trust, you no longer own it. Whether you have money in the bank and you put it into a trust, it's not no longer yours. Most people do not want to give up that ownership. What they really want to do is they want to give up the ownership when they pass, not while they're alive. And the easiest way to do that is through the will document, much less expensive. But there are trust clauses in a will document so that your beneficiaries may not get all the money all at once because some people can't handle getting too much too soon too fast. And we can structure that through trust language so that there is a payout over time. Yes? That's true. I mean, where where we consider a testamentary trust, that's a trust that is put into a will document. In most instances, when we're dealing with young families, uh, couples will come to me. They have a newborn, a two-year or three-year-old. Uh, God forbid something happens to mother and father, the the assets in that estate would go into a trust for the minor children, and the trust takes on a life of its own because you then have to identify guardians and trustees, 
and specify dates of distribution. But if you're dealing with adult family members that are not capable of handling finances, Dean is correct. You can control the distribution of those assets to those family members in the will document by including a trust that speaks when the will is probated. Crystal, thanks for calling Court Radio. Have a great Saturday. All right, I'll be in touch. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I'll I'll look for your email. Folks, uh, we're talking to Saul L. Langsam about wills and estates. We've also had a very personal story shared with us by our very own Sarah O. And um, Sarah was and and has been uh, until very recently uh, the user of uh, hair relaxer products. And what we've come to find out is that if you are a long-term user of hair relaxer products, which is defined as more than five years, Mm. um, you have a double the risk of getting endometrial cancer, uterine cancer, fibroids, which require surgical removal, and fibroids, which require surgical removal and hysterectomy. Women are being taken advantage of by these companies who knew or should have known that these products were dangerous and warned no one. Call us, 215-227-2727. If you or a family member may fit that bill, we are interested in representing you. We'll be back in two minutes. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. When we say winning matters most, we mean it. My Philly Lawyer just helped secure an $80 million victory for a client suffering from a defective medical product. Whether it's a motor vehicle, workplace, or medical malpractice injury, My Philly Lawyer gets results. If you've been injured and want aggressive, thoughtful, thorough representation, call My Philly Lawyer first. Philly's legal champions, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. legal answer.
Answers. Here's more Court Radio with your host, Dean Weitzman. Okay, we're back. I'm Dean Weitzman, your host of Court Radio every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Sit back and relax. If you've got a legal issue, we can tackle it. 215-227-2727. Interesting topic today. Yeah, we're talking to Saul L. Langsam from My Philly Lawyer about wills and estates and all the mishmash that happens in that arena. Um, We were also talking with Sarah O. about her use of hair relaxers and how that has now been determined to be a double the risk factor for getting endometrial or uterine cancer, hysterectomies, massive fibroids, and it just has messed women up for decades. And they were befuddled, befuddled. Doctors would say, well, it's it's an African-American curse. But, you know, uh, it isn't a curse. It's products that are being applied to your hair by companies who knew or should have known what they were using, what, what it would do to you, and failed to warn you. Failed to warn you. It's as simple as that. And um, these companies need to be responsible now for the damages that they caused. Amen. I, I don't know. There's, there's not a black woman right now within the sound of your voice that isn't going, hmm, right now. Because they've, of a certain age particularly, because they've all been through it. I'm a black man. I know for a fact practically every woman I've ever dated, my ex-wife, everyone, this is a serious issue. And and this is serious diseases. I mean, we're talking about cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uterine cancer is deadly. And endometrial cancer is deadly. Um, and, mm. and unfortunately, if, if, your, if your death occurred uh, before... July 1 of 21, you're out of luck. The statute of limitations has run. So, you know, it's a two-year statute of limitations for when you knew or should have known. Um, So that will extend it for most people uh, until the recent study and, and the recent advertising made you aware of that connection. But on death cases... It's a hard and fast rule. Two years is two years. A two-year window is what you're saying. Yeah. And uh, if you you exceed that, um, even though you have a valid and bona fide claim, you cannot bring your claim. It's lost. 215-227-2727, the only number you need for all legal issues. Um, Let's talk to uh, Stacy on line two. Stacy. Oh, Stacy. And we're going to get the dreaded ding 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 ding. Oh no. All right. Stacy's gone. Well, Stacy's mom passed away from cancer at 91 and she used chemical hair relaxers up to her 90s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Say mom. Uh somebody else called um and asked if you file for bankruptcy, do you still have to pay child support? Absolutely yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like student loans, child support obligations are not dischargeable in bankruptcy. So it's death, taxes, and child support. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Basically. <laughs> well, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Uncertainties yeah. in life. Yeah. You could you well, you could not have children. Well, yeah. What's funny is taxes there is a there is a way to uh, yeah, there's bankruptcy. Some, there's some loopholes on taxes. There's some loopholes on taxes. For for bankruptcy. For bankruptcy. There's no loopholes for child support. And no loopholes for student loans. Yeah. No. Uh, well, that's the way life is sometimes. Yeah. How about line five, Karen? Is she around? Hello, Karen. Hello. How are you? Hi, Karen. Hi, Karen. Welcome to Court Radio, young lady. Oh, thank you. Um, so recently I purchased a car, um, had to add full coverage instead of the previous coverage that I had. Um, I believe that we were asked to do both vehicles, and it turns out that both vehicles weren't added. The second vehicle was involved in a car accident with a deer. So fast forward to, oh, can we hear the recording? They're like, oh, you need a subpoena. So I was wondering if there's any legal, legal obligation on their part as well as obtaining the subpoena. Well, um, if the company rule is that they're only going to give up their documents with a subpoena, then there's usually you have to get a subpoena. Um, how do you get a subpoena? Well, um, you file a lawsuit and you get a docket number and then you can request the court issue a subpoena under that docket number. So if you've got a claim against the insurance company for property damage to your car, you could sue whatever, or let's just say Allstate. You can sue Allstate Insurance Company for the property damage of the car, and in that litigation, you can request the court issue a subpoena so that you can get the tape of, you know, when you added it on um, to your policy. Now, most policies will allow you to be covered under a newly acquired vehicle for up to 30 days. So, so you know, if it was in the first 30 days of car ownership, it's kind of an automatic. After that, um, you know, or within a reasonable time of your purchase, you should be adding the vehicle to the policy. But the, ca the carrier will also generate some type of an addendum to the automobile insurance policy that's going to set forth those coverages. So if that document was sent to the insured, you had an opportunity to review it, and if in your review of that document, that additional vehicle was not included, that would trigger a call to the insurance company. Yeah. I mean, I'm not holding out great hopes here, Karen, that the uh, the car was properly added. But on the other hand, the only way to answer your question, the only way to get a subpoena is to file the lawsuit against the insurance company and then ask the court to issue a subpoena for the records that you're requesting. Gotcha. Okay, so do, would you think that there was any fault on theirs if we agreed to them adding it and they just didn't do it properly? Well, it's possible that, you know, you put them on notice of the new car and they and they failed to add it, and that could be an errors or omissions claim against the agent or the insurance company. So, um, you know, you're on the right track, um, but you're going to have to file – uh, a lawsuit for your property damage and we are all out of time karen you're number 27 and you're the last one for the day saul as usual you carry the show when you're here i just sort of you know 
sir, hit the ball back across the net for you. As long as our listeners benefit from our words of wisdom, we've done a good job. Folks, we'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place. 